In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope that you will consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to thank you for emailing me your questions, which I'm going to answer in just a bit. But first, let's recap last night's game. In playing arguably its worst game of the season, Atlanta United was defeated 1-0 by NYCFC on Wednesday at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. With the loss, Atlanta United falls to 2-2-5 overall, 0-2-3 on the road. It's going to host the New York Red Bulls on Sunday. The team has scored 11 goals in nine games, including just three and five road games. Atlanta United may have had a reason or reasons for its poor performance on Wednesday. It played without manager Gabriel Heinze, who is serving a one-game suspension because of yellow card accumulation, which our pal Kevin Egan believes is the first for a manager in MLS this season and possibly the world. Joseph Martinez, who is with Venezuela in the Copa America, and midfielder Emerson Heidman, who is out for the season with a torn ACL. Heinz has said he didn't think his absence affected his team's energy levels or its ability to react to NYCFC's tactics. I'm not that important, he said after the match when I asked him. Instead, he said he saw a team that appeared to be tired after playing just a few days ago on Sunday when it hosted Philadelphia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That surprised me a little bit because the team has worked diligently on its fitness levels. I know that the game was just Sunday, but I also know that it's supposed to be a deep squad, and yet uh, there was only one change in the starting 11 made by Heinze. Without Heinemann and Martinez, Atlanta United could seldom string together more than a few passes on offense. It finished with six shots, three on goal, This came one game after putting up a season-high 20 shots. It created a season-low four scoring chances, three by Brooks Lund and one by George Bellow. So nobody in the midfield created a scoring chance, which is not good. But I want to say is, well, it's it's atypical for at least one player who we'll talk about in a minute. On defense, its man-to-man marking system was consistently exposed by NYCFC. The host finished with 18 shots, 7 on goal, with a winner scored by Ishmael Tajori Shradi. It was the fifth time this season that Atlanta United gave up a goal or goals in the second half that resulted in it dropping points. We certainly didn't look sharp, goalkeeper Brad Guzan said. We can't use fatigue as an excuse. That's the schedule. We need to find a way to be better. Now I'm going to take a quick coffee break, and then we'll get to your questions. Oh, that's the good stuff. All right, let's get going. And most of these questions are negative questions, so 
they're understandably negative, and I'll give you answers, and they're probably going to be negative, but we'll see. From Nick, as I looked at us on the field tonight, I feel like we have solid players at lots of positions, but we aren't getting the most out of them. I wonder where you think the team could upgrade. If I was the front office, I would try and find a winger that can score consistently, but that's always easier said than done. That is true. Um, where the team needs upgrades, I think there is quality at several positions. I think some of y'all overrate the quality at a few of the positions. I think um, Santiago Sosa is really starting to struggle on offense and defense, which could just be fatigue. I think uh, Franco Ibarra is a good but not great player. I don't think he has that fourth gear. I think Barco, whenever the team really needs him to step up, just doesn't do it. The Barco that we saw earlier this season, we're not seeing now. Um, Marcelino Moreno, I thought was going to be better back in the middle of the field, but instead he looks like a very average player, and he was signed as a designated player last year before being brought down. Uh, Eric Lopez is young, so we're not going to pass judgment on him yet, and he was playing a position that he did play a few games at his previous club but hasn't played for Atlanta United. I don't quite understand why that move was made. Hines just said it's because they needed speed up front. Well, Lopez isn't very fast, it doesn't appear. So we'll leave judgment on him for a while. Every team would love to have a goal-scoring winger, um, but you've got to pay a lot for them. It's easier to develop them. Atlanta United does have Machop Chole, homegrown, Tyler Wolf, uh, young midfielder, that they could try, um, but they haven't really tried yet. From Cole. And this is a question that a few of you asked, uh, including um, Christopher and Kitty, I think. Do you think Carlos Bocanegra, the general manager, uh, will receive a new contract at the end of the season? That is a very, very tough one to answer. Um, Atlanta United hasn't hesitated to make changes when there wasn't positive inertia going on with the franchise. You could argue that there hasn't been positive inertia going on with the franchise uh, in 2020 and 2021. Obviously, there wasn't in 2020, or Frank DeBoer wouldn't have been let go. I don't know how Heinze would feel about having to work with a new general manager next season. You typically don't want to do that uh, unless the guy has retired, the GM has retired or something. Um, that could really be a setback at the same time. I understand your concerns about the signings made under Bocanegra. I chronicled a lot of them in a blog last year in which really the only signing, the, the blog was focused on signings pre and post Tata, pre and post Paul McDonough. And the best signing that he that was made was Emerson Hyndman. Um and they've made a lot of signings. And really, there there hasn't been a player who's impactful. There hasn't been a player who's a goal scorer. There hasn't been a player who's a true, true difference maker uh, on the team. Some good players, some poor players, some players that I don't think we'll ever get to know if they were any good or not, but no great players. And Atlanta United has lofty ambitions. They all say it. Um, they all took ownership of what's going on last year. 
But a lot of what you saw last year is also a lot of what you're seeing this year. Um, a team that doesn't use its depth, a team that has no creativity on offense, a team that it doesn't seem like the tactics fit the personnel. Second question from Cole, it seems like we're missing a true leader on the field. Do you see anyone who should step up into that role? Well, Ezekiel Barco is a DP, but I don't think he's ever going to be a leader. Uh, Miles Robinson, I think, could be that guy. Brooks Lennon, I think, could be that guy. It's just somebody has to do it. Um, and I think the team is quickly kind of reaching a point. And I, uh, last night, we may be overblowing things from last night. But if it doesn't get a leader soon, you could start to see what happened last year again. The team will get Joseph Martinez back. That That's going to be a huge difference. But it's not like the team has been setting things on fire with Joseph on the field. Um, I think there's deeper issues. Third question from Cole. What's more important right now, a formation change or getting two to three new players? If neither of these are the answer to our woeful season, what is? We are enough games into the season to see this team likes capability in the final third. Well, I've been trying to tell y'all all season that the team didn't look great in the final third. I kept getting shouted down, including one smart butt comment about an educated person knows that this isn't a large enough sample size. That was after seven games total, seven games out of a possible 38, which is enough of a sample size to see this team was going to struggle on offense. It will have one good game occasionally, which gives you hope. First half against Philadelphia was one. This most recent, not the NYCFC game, but the previous game was one. And then it regresses. Um, the regression is more the average than those outstanding performances. I think the team does need some new personnel. It's got to find some speed in the midfield. It has, in the central midfield, it just does not have any. Barco can't do it. Marino can't do it. It needs... I think it needs a formation change because last night there were gigantic gaps all over the field that require a lot of precision passing. And Atlanta United just does not move the ball fast. It it won't. It will not. It didn't under Frank. It doesn't under Gabriel. I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's player personnel. I don't know what that is. So every time they get the ball and they sit, it gives that defense that one second it needs. And I keep harping on this, but it's true. Um and it goes back to leadership. Somebody's got to be the guy in the middle of the field to say, give me the ball, I'm coming back for the ball, or I'm making this run into space, send me the ball, and it's just not happening. I'm going to take another coffee break here real quick. And I mean, if you, if you look at player status, DP's Barco has got to be that guy. Um, but when he gets the ball, it's pretty clear what he's going to do. He's going to dribble to the right, he may make a pass, or he's going to look for a foul. And the pass he's going to make is probably going to be sideways. Um, his teammates have got to help him. It's, that's not all Barco. But it's, it's just a very easy team to defend most of the time. Uh, I've already answered Christopher's question about Carlos Bocanegra. When does he get put on the hot seat? I think he's on the hot seat. I think he's been on the hot seat. Every draw and every loss puts him a little bit more on the hot seat, I think. From Adam, Hines' limited player rotation will cost the stripes during congested stretches. Also, do you favor strategically picking games for high rotation in order to rest players? I do. Uh, 
managers don't like to move more than two or three guys out of the lineup. I don't really understand that. You train the guys, you work with the guys, you'll say the next guy's got to step up, but then the next guy never gets that chance. Um, A lot of you keep wanting Jackson Conway to play. He's not playing. I don't know if he doesn't train well. I don't know if he doesn't understand Heinz's system yet. I don't know if Heinz doesn't trust him, but he's a guy who should probably be given a chance. When I put out the predicted 11, it's not the 11 I want to see, by the way. It's the 11 I think the team is going to use. Um, But I think it's time to give Conway maybe a run out. Uh, Eric Lopez didn't really do anything last night. I think it's time to give him a chop chol a run out um, and play some Moreno or Barco. I think it's time to give Tyler Wolf a shot. Something's got to change because you're seeing the same results from the same players. Why do you expect something different is going to happen? From Adam, aside from Joseph, Atlanta's DPs and big signings are at this moment barely registering as impact players. Barco, Franco, and Moreno aren't steering games like other name brands in the league and, in fact, aren't among the top three players on the team. That's not really a question. Uh, But, yeah, you could argue that there are three other players that are probably more important to Atlanta United right now. Uh, Miles Robinson, Anton Waltz, Brooks Lennon, George Bellow um, are more impactful than Barco, Franco, and Moreno. Robinson, of course, had the turnover last night that led to the goal. I'm not quite sure who he's passing it to on on that play. Um, but again, the, the DP signings or those who are former DPs have to step up. Kitty says, uh, when is the front office going to punish Eels and Bocanegra? Well, they are the front office, uh, for allowing the dismantling of a championship team. How would they feel with a huge TIFO with a bunch of Eels? I guess that's a reference to Darren being eaten by a mouth and a huge, like no sign around it and saying something like the fall of Kings with flames underneath. We've become Orlando, and it's not okay at all. Shoot, we've become Cincinnati. We used to be the team everyone was scared to play. We've become the team people look at as the three easy points. Well, that TIFO would never make it into the stadium because Atlanta United, I believe, has to approve the TIFOs. Uh, but I understand your point. Um, yeah, it, it seems like teams don't really have to game plan a lot for Atlanta United right now. They didn't last year. They haven't this year. Um, I don't know about it being an easy three points, but it's certainly easier than it used to be. Jacob asks, Doug, what is it going to take for this team to turn the corner? I can't imagine the locker room is in good spirits right now after dropping two games at home and now this abysmal performance. Feels like there could be some pressure to keep players engaged at this point. That's a really good question. This was a problem last year, particularly after the Orlando debacle, the the tournament in Orlando debacle, coffee break. There are certain players that didn't look engaged, and you could reach that point here quickly, and I'm only saying that because it happened last year, not because I think that um, the players will do it, but only because there's a history of it. Second, the organization seems to be in a rocky place, a very, very crucial window coming up, and there's basically two people running the whole club right now, so many leadership departures, and nobody to replace them. It's worrying for a lot of reasons. It seems telling about the culture there, and how are we supposed to have a successful window with basically no staff? Some of the positions have been filled. Uh, the two big ones, or uh, the big one that is left, is the vice president of business operations, which was Katie Griggs' departure. Um, to go spend time with her young and beautiful family. Uh, her job was a hard job, like a lot of the front office jobs. A lot of hours, a lot of time away, 
from family. And so I'm happy for her that she's now going to get to spend some time doing that. Uh, the rest of the jobs, I believe, have been filled. Um, there could be one that I'm forgetting about, but Atlanta United 2 has its manager. There's a head of uh, video and recruitment. That was an in-house promotion. So I, I think most of the jobs have been filled. Um, I think a lot of the departures uh, are just a combination of timing and things like that. Um, I don't think there's any one constant. I do think it's high-pressure environment. I do think that Atlanta United can be a little hypersensitive to branding and and uh, negative branding and negative stories uh, and things like that, which may add even more pressure. Um but I don't think it has anything to do with the, the departures. Octavio asks, how is this team going forward since we have such a weak final third? Looking at this team, even with Joseph, it very much reminds me of the 2020 team, which lacked creativity. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, that's what we've been talking about a lot on this podcast. There's not a person, there's not a Carlos Gill guy uh, for New England who can just pick a pass and go. Um, it's, uh, Barco or Moreno are supposed to be that guy, but neither one of them will move, will pass and move quickly. They dribble, dribble, dribble. It happens every game, pretty much every time they get on the ball. Um, it's really bizarre to me. Um, and also what was my reaction to Heinz's post-match statement on his absence, not being important to the team? Uh, you know, I don't know. I try to answer, to ask Heinz questions. Um, I'm assuming that they are getting translated properly because I've never had a problem with that before. But his answers are just, you know, they're what he wants to say. Uh, I don't find them to be particularly insightful. I don't find them to be answering the questions I'm asking a lot of times. I don't know how you could sit there and say I'm not that important when I ask if your absence affected the team's energy or its ability to make in-game adjustments, that's the sole reason you're there. That's why you're getting paid. That's why the process of hiring you took so long is because you are that important. Um, I, there's a difference between being humble and a difference between being honest. Um, but anyway, let's see if we have any more questions. Um, is this a roster that could be successful with the right manager System or is the lack of talent too severe? I think there is talent on the team. I think it's a a, a talented team. I just don't think it has enough difference makers. Uh, You can't even really say that Joseph Martinez is a difference maker right now. Um, And that's the big issue. It doesn't have an impact player. Um, And and this this is really, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here, I guess. This kind of goes to me. A few weeks ago, I sent out a tweet about. Um, Pep Guardiola, Manchester City's manager, about how if he's supposed to be the greatest tactical manager and the greatest man-motivating manager in soccer, why does Manchester City feel the need to spend hundreds of millions to a billion dollars to prove that? If he's so good, they shouldn't have to spend that much money. And then some of you shouted, shouted me down, some of you agreed with me, and that's fine. But Here is an example of this. Roberto Martinez is now managing one of the best teams in the world, Belgium, and they're winning. Do you think that's because of Roberto Martinez? 
possibly. But you go back and look at his history, managing average teams or below average teams, and he almost always got below average results. One exception with Wigan when they won the uh, FA Cup, and that was only because it was a perfect storm of circumstances if you go back and look that year. Um, So as coaches say, it's not about the X's and the O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. So you give a coach a talented roster, spend a lot of money, and typically you're going to win. It's been proven in every league in the world all over the place including Major League Soccer, for the most part. Columbus was an aberration last year. And the thing about Manchester City, going back to that, they still haven't won anything that they didn't win under one of their previous managers. So there. So Heinze could be a great manager, but I think they need another difference maker on their roster. And they can't do that until they buy down Alan Franco or sell Ezekiel Barco or sell Marcelino Moreno. They're not going to sell Joseph Martinez. All right, let's go to Twitter and see if there's any more questions. And if they're not, we're going to wrap up this podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. We have no more questions, so I'm going to wrap this up. Atlanta United beating one to nothing by New York City FC. Last night on Wednesday, the team will host New York Red Bulls on Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Atlanta United is now 2-2-5 this season after last night's pretty much full slate of games. It has fallen to 10th in the East with 11 points. It is 7 points ahead of last place Chicago, one of its wins this year, and a full 12 points behind first place New England. All right, this is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care. Please consume the content produced by all the other guys who follow Atlanta United, and we'll talk to you later. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.